podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. If you've been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, soon to be 14, then 12. I think I finally have that number order correct based off of the expectations of when things are going to happen and what's going to happen, but that'll probably change in the next six months. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Oh, what a Monday episode it is set to be. Joining me as they always do, typically, uh, and I know are excited to do today, especially, uh, Andy Mitz. Hey, how's it going? I am thoroughly enjoying the fact that the actual regular season is over and we get to talk about basketball tournaments because this is the best time of the year sports-wise. Andy cannot wait to get upset in the Sweet 16 again. Uh, hey, and hey, JSJ, James Johnson. <laughs> Philip said, I'm tired. I'm going to come in here and have Andy catch strays immediately man i was gonna be nice to philip in this podcast but now look i mean at, at, at least my team's team gonna go. be dancing you can't hurt me i am <laughs> happy that the oklahoma hurt. state season is over like it's done we can now look forward to a year where we don't have a postseason ban unless they somehow find a way to blame kansas stuff on us and give us the postseason ban for kansas which at this point wouldn't really shock me okay Wait, I didn't get to say my first thing. I oh. get to go to Kansas City this week, and it is like Christmas. That's what Coach Fenn said after the game in West Virginia. He's very bright. I'm very excited. I leave Wednesday night. I know Jamie's going to be there. So uh, so is Andy. You guys are going to both be yeah. in Kansas City to enjoy some Big 12 basketball tournaments. Okay, I'm going to let you guys pick here because I really don't want even my back hurts. Um, <laughs> From carrying do you the show do on your back? Yeah. I mean, I love you guys, but <laughs> I'm kidding. Everyone comes for Jamie. Um, do you? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I have a lot of pent up frustration, so you guys are going to take it. No, no. I'm not throwing it at my I'm, wife. I'm going to take pain, it. Okay? I'm going to take it. Not Jamie. Well, yeah. That's more like it. <laughs> I'll throw it back, and it'll be mean. You're really mean. Oh, now I'm excited because <laughs> literally, like you, you cannot hurt me today. Um, but we're sure going to try. <laughs> okay. Uh, you guys want to go bracket first or uh, 
men's season awards first. Uh, you know what? Let's let's get the awards out of the way because I got some fire out of the way. He says, "Okay, let's start with." I'm, I'm going to get one little pet peeve out of the way for me. Um, congrats to Musa Sisa. Congrats to Gabe Oshaboyan, and congrats to Jonathan Chamwa Chachua. If I'm mispronouncing, I know I'm you know, whatever. Chachua. Chachua. Yep. Thank you. Three co-defensive players of the year. <sighs> Woohoo. Pick one. Pick I, one. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Pick, no. Pick, I'm fine with like two. Like if you're like, okay, well, we got two. We had three. This is this is when leagues are like, here's our first team all conference. And there's 10 people on it. I'm sorry. Let me go look at a bat. Let me go look at a at Not what they normally do, right? Like, like if that's the way that you set it up, that you normally do it, right? That you pick ten. I hate it. I understand. Like, I hate it. But if they've done that traditionally and that's the way they normally do it, that's fine. But when you normally give the award to one person and you have three of them, like, I mean, come on, seriously, you got to pick one. I mean, at that I mean, point, obviously there was a three way tie. Yeah, at that point, I'm trying to think. Because technically they could have each had like three votes and not really been able to get, I don't know. At that point, if there's, if there's one person who like voted for someone that isn't those three, make them vote have for them, one of yeah, the three. Yeah, have them break the tie. <laughs> Tiebreaker. Oh, I like that. Like, I'm curious how it breaks down because it's. You would have had to have been able to break the tie, but it could get unfair if, like, the person that's breaking the tie is the coach of one of the three. Well, well, that's the other thing, too, right? Because you are not allowed to vote for your own player. Right. As as, as part right. of this. So, like, the assumption would be... It's a weird situation. Right, like, if, if the only coach... Situ- Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's really weird. I don't think there's a better way to do it. I don't think you can break the tie and have it be fair. It's just wild that there's three people who received, a, you know, probably three votes each. That's wild. Uh, or here's what's going to be even wilder. Imagine that the or three of them all got two votes each, <laughs> which is six, and which four means other four people. other people got one vote each. It's possible. The, the, it just, the, the mind is literally dancing trying to figure this out okay um we've talked about coach of the year on here quite a bit uh ran a poll on twitter this week that was lots of fun and i put four names on it based off of things that i had seen and heard and we've talked about those four names were tj Altelberger of iowa state mark adams of texas tech scott drew baylor and Jamie Dixon of TCU. And the TCU one was because I had people like, he should be up for the running. And I didn't really believe that, but I went ahead and put him in there anyway. So because <laughs> they exceeded expectations and no offense. First off, I can't believe Iowa State lost a poll on Twitter. It's the first time I've ever seen this happen. And now I have to question just how loyal Iowa State fans actually are that you lost a Twitter poll. I, mean, I got real, the looks Jamie is throwing me is was worth that quote. Um, look, Mark Adams won, and I get it. And I talked about this on Thursday's episode. Like, there is a legitimate case for Scott Drew to win Coach of the Year in the Pick 12 with the number of injuries that they have dealt with and their players that they have dealt with. Okay? And the number of injuries they have dealt with and to still win the Pick 12, tie it, whatever you want to say, shouts to both teams for basically acting during their celebrations like the other team that also won does not exist and could just not be even be remotely on the same planet as them. Of course. Love that. 
Oh, you said how you should, but also like, bravo. I love it. It's perfect. Mark Adams won the poll. Didn't surprise me. Um, we talked about the like, not even close line, which is irritating. And then the awards come out Sunday night. And who is the Big 12 coach of the year voted on by the other coaches in the conference? None other than Baylor head coach Scott Drew. Yeah. I am not pissed. I don't care. And I don't mean that I don't care in the sense of like, whatever. I'm just like, I have said enough times, like, I, I'm I'm fine with him winning. And I would have been fine with Mark Adams winning. And I would have been okay with TJ Otzelberger winning. That's about it. That was the list. If Jamie Dixon won, I'm just kidding. Um, but Scott Drew won it. <laughs> Sorry, I love you, TJ fans. I do. It's it's you don't care about basketball. Baseball's going on. Um, I I don't have strong opinion on this. I just don't. I'm like I'm I'm just more. I almost feel like a Baylor fan at the moment, just sitting back and enjoying watching all the comments on Twitter of people just losing their minds. Uh, Andy, I know you have some strong takes on this situation. Take it away. Look, look, my biggest problem with this is that this is exactly this is Scott Drew getting credit for doing exactly the same thing that Bill Self has done multiple years in the past. It's, and and when there was not a coach who greatly outperformed expectations, the honestly, the only thing that makes sense to me as to why Scott Drew gets it this year. One, oh, I'm sorry, I, I guess there's actually multiple reasons, but the first one being. Scott Drew is a quote unquote new kid on the block in terms of elite coaches in the Big 12, right? He has, it's like, it's not the same old thing from him that he's been doing for quite a long time, like it was with Bill Self. The second one that I can think of is just the fact that, look, everybody loves Scott Drew. Like, you, you actually go with all the coaches. Like, you, like, I, I watched them at Big 12 Media Days before the year. Scott Drew was like the class clown, like the guy that everybody loved to talk to. Every time he was in a conversation, everybody was, you know, yakking it up and really enjoying what they were doing. Like he is a very likable guy and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I do think it gives him a little bit of a benefit of a doubt. The third one being he is, he's a coach that's been here for a while. You look at the other two candidates here, TJ Otzelberger and Mark Adams, they're brand new coaches in the conference. They're not going to get that benefit of the doubt, even though I think that they probably should. This is one of those cases where there was two teams that greatly outperformed expectations. Texas tech pretty much had to, rebuild the entire program in terms of the guys coming in hit brand new coaching staff. There was like one carryover. The fact that he was able to get them within two games of the conference title, you know, in his first year dealing with everything they had to deal with was actually phenomenal. And then you look at Otto Berger who, you know, that team won two games last year. Like that is like, this isn't, this isn't a case of the media completely misjudged Iowa state. Right. And then, you give it to them because they outperform the expectations, but the expectations were stupid from the beginning, right? This is a team that won two games last year, and this year had a absolutely phenomenal year compared to expectations. Coming in, like, you you expected them to have some sort of improvement, but honestly, because it couldn't really get any worse. The fact that Otto Berger was able to come in, first-year coach in the conference, bring in all these guys, get them all to jail, play as well as they did at the beginning of the year, and then run into some very good teams like, yes, that's going to happen. You're going to take a step back. I, I mean, I, I understand the argument that, hey, if you can't finish 500 in the conference, you probably shouldn't win coach of the year of the conference. But you look at what they did in the non-conference. That was damn impressive. Okay. The fact that they got to the toughest conference in the country and was not able to keep that same trajectory is not a slight on what Otzelberger did. I still think he had an absolutely phenomenal year. I, I just, I, I feel like it's one of those things where, 
you know, this is not like we're not looking at the same criteria for these coaches. Scott Scott Drew is winning it because he had like it, it was the best team in the league, you know, and, and you can argue whether you think that Baylor was better than Kansas or not. But one of the two best teams that that won the league, he's getting the benefit of the doubt when I don't necessarily think that he should this year. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit this sounds this this feels dirty to say, but I like Scott Drew and that that mostly has to do with the fact that my mom coached his sister. So, she's known him since he, she said when they went on a recruiting visit for Dana that he was a little kid and he sat in their living room as they were recruiting and had a notepad and was writing on it. So, um he he's 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 been about it for a long time, so you gotta respect it. Um, that said, yeah, I think there's a few more impressive turnarounds. Like I w- I'm not even a cyclone that's like ride or die. If TJ gets it, we riot. It doesn't get it, we riot. Like would I have loved it? Yeah. Do I think it would have been deserved? Sure. But was it a runaway? No, if you finish top three in the conference, yeah. But, I mean, down the stretch, you just, you had some struggles in Big 12 play, and that's to be expected, but that's not generally to be expected from the coach of the year. I think he will win it sooner rather than later, absolutely. But, you know, I'm not I'm not rioting about it, but I definitely could have seen it going to Adams. And, and again, like Philip said, I don't think that it's, awful that drew won it but again he could have won it with four votes we really don't know and so with a tight race with multiple candidates it's just really hard to put a good judgment out there and that's the great thing about awards that are voted on by coaches is that I trust them but also you have such a small sample size that kind of funky things can happen with the voting. Well, and I think we've seen in years past too, where it seems like there are definitely coaches that have the, the philosophy that it's like the one that outperformed expectations the most. And there's other coaches who think it's the coach that was the best throughout the year. I do think that what opened the door for Drew to win it this year was the fact that there are two and arguably three, you know, coaches that outperformed expectations because Mm -hmm. I I know Philip, you said that, that Jamie Dixon probably, Shouldn't have been seriously considered, but the fact that what he did towards the end of the year, I think, was impressive enough that it at least made people think about him as a guy that outperformed expectations, especially when you take into account that they didn't have Mike Miles for a good portion of the year. So, like, the where they were based off of that, you know, that kind of situation, I think you had three coaches that were potentially splitting the outperformed expectations vote, whereas you had one guy in Scott Drew, really, who was the coach that overcame adversity and had the best team in the conference vote. That's fair. And again, I think it, it goes to the point of 10 guys are coaching. So the, the most anyone could get is nine. I don't think there's some situation where like Scott Drew got all nine possible votes for it. Kind of like defensive player of the year. I feel like it's probably pretty split and fans are going to be like, no, it must be this person. So obvious. Like, no, it, it, it's, it's not. That's the case we've been trying to make for a while is, there are multiple legitimate candidates. Yeah, but you're wrong. I can sit here and pick it apart obvious. everybody. Sorry. <laughs> Not even close. Um, exactly. Like, to the, 
I think the ones that bugs me most of the Iowa State fans are like, it's not even close. Like, dude had four multi-game losing streaks and set the record for fewest points scored at home twice this year. Twice. No, I, I, I think the only person you could make the argument that it's not even close would be like a Mark Adams. Like, if, if that's what you're saying, that it's Mark Adams and you say it's not even close because of that turnaround, what he's done in the first year, then, yeah. then I, I mean, I, I can buy that argument. He was, he was already there. He was. He didn't have to do anything. Like, no, he was an assistant. And Jamie, to your point, you've said this. Like, he was an assistant. He wasn't the head coach. It's not the same thing. Um, yes. Like, he replaced more on that roster than I think mo- most fans realize. Like, yes, Iowa State replaced more, but not like Iowa State had to bring in thirteen brand new players and Mark Adams brought in two. Like, no, it's, it's a lot closer when you actually go and break it down. So, look, Scott drew one. Who knows what the vote was? It's probably closer than it. Knowing that it's thinking in our minds, it's probably closer than we're acting. And that's the big thing is like, this was always going to be close. And that's been the conversation we've been trying to get across for like two weeks is this was always going to be close. It was never a, it's this guy. It's no, it's not even close. I doubt it. It wouldn't shock me if Scott Drew had four and two other guys had three and Math's not my favorite. That's it. You know? Mm. Like, I, hey, I had to stop. It was like four and three, carry the one, divide five. <laughs> oh, man. As I always say, I was an art major for a reason. Minimal We can tell, Philip. We can tell. Required. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so, Scott Drew, I know he's going to be pissed about it. Well, lots of fans are pissed. It's okay. Uh, do you guys have any other concerns or, I guess, concerns? Any other complaints about the men's awards that came out. I was pretty happy with the first team. I love that Nigel Pack was one of them. I thought that was fantastic. I was worried he wasn't going to end up on there because of, because of Kansas state season, but like teams at the end of games were literally like after he hit the game winner against Oklahoma state later, like here in those last couple weeks ago, they could tell teams were like, whatever you do, foul him, hit him, bump him. Don't let him get a shot off. We don't want to lose a close game to Nigel Pack. So, Props to Pack. I was really glad to see him on the first team. Um, I I will say, like, I was glad to see Nigel Pack on the first team because I honestly think that, um, you know, he, he was definitely much more impressive in Big 12 play than he was in the non-conference. And honestly, I think it should be much more weighted towards Big 12 play. Uh-huh. But my biggest, con- or my biggest complaint about the way that the teams were set up was that it, they were extremely inconsistent on which players they applied that to. Because a, a guy like Jalen Wilson for Kansas, and I, I know, I know, you don't want a whole bunch of Kansas players on, you know, the first or second teams. Should have been a whole Kansas first. But team. no, well, like, like uh, honestly, if if that was the way it was set up, right? Like you're you're taking into account Big Twelve play with you know much more than non conference. Then like Jalen Wilson and Christian Brown probably should have been swapped because Jalen Wilson had a phenomenal Big Twelve conference play. Like he was absolutely killer in Big Twelve, and, and he only made the third team. And so it was like, it's one of those things where there was definitely some players and, and, and he's not the only one. It's just, I'm a Kansas guy. So that's the one that came to mind quickest. But I was looking through some of the other ones and like guys like Nigel Pack got rewarded for really, really good big 12 conference seasons with okay non-conference seasons. Whereas other guys had really good non or conference seasons and okay non-conference seasons, but didn't get those same sort of, you know, awards. And, and, and I think really it, it probably just comes down to the fact that Nigel Pack was by far the best player on Kansas state. Um, but it, it, it definitely seemed to me like they were trying to get as many different types of guys onto the first team from as many different teams as possible. 
to try to recognize some of those good performers that were not on great teams. If that makes sense. I appreciate the conspiracy theory there. Um, I know. <laughs> because I think you're giving the Big 12, no offense to the coaches, but I think you're giving the Big 12 coaches way too much credit when we do that kind of stuff. Here, here's, a, here's a question we just need to ask. Same thing as the, like, the coaches poll in football where we're like, why do we still do this? We know 90% of the coaches who are voting in this aren't actually the ones doing the voting. It's some assistant who's helping out for them. I mean, this is a lot of things for the coaches to vote on while they're trying to finish their seasons, right? So this idea of like, why do you get credit for conference and you not? not like, let's be perfectly honest. I know they watch the tape, but like, how much do you think uh, Mike Boyd and Zinger are going, Okay, now we really liked what he did in the non-conferences. They don't care. They don't know. They don't know. Like, okay, I went back and reviewed Isaiah Brockington's non-conference slate, and uh, he was just so stellar. Like, I have to give it. Like, I I understand the point, but I I I have to go back and like the coaches voted on this. Put yourself in the head coach mindset. So here's the real question: <laughs> How many of these do you think were actually like the coaches' votes, and how many were? Whatever guy they have that they have fill it out for them because oh, of I ain't got time for that. I'm trying to get the instilled tournament here. Oh yeah, no, no. Like it's it's definitely if if the coach gives final sign off, I, I would be surprised in all the cases. Like I, I I'm guessing that the vast majority of these are someone else filled out the bracket and the coach looked at it and said, "Hey, eh, okay, I think that looks good. Send it in." Like if like that's probably the the entire extent of most of the coaches in terms of what actually goes in on the ballot. Right. Um, I would love to know if that's accurate. Cause like, I know coach Fen fills his out. Like I know that for a fact, but I'm not I saying none of them. No, do. no, no. That's no, what I'm right, saying right. is that in my own, my own extremely limited experience, that's what I know, right. but I wouldn't be surprised for that to be true for most coaches. Like I would just be so curious to know like what the reality is. I would say I've heard stories about, particular coaches, some that don't actually coach anymore that were like, yeah, I never had time to do it. I just, I, I have a guy that does that for me and I just make sure he doesn't do something stupid. Like, <laughs> like it's one of those things like, where I can't blame them. I yeah. know what it's like in the postseason, no. but I, yeah, I just would be so interested. I think that's so, I, I want gossip. I want gossip. Especially since with how Hit my DMs, if yeah. you're the person that fills out a head coach's ballot, I'll keep it confidential. It's going to be a Cyclone Family Pod exclusive, right? No, I won't tell anyone ever. No, no, no. no. Not not who it is or all of that, but the the fact that you have gotten confirmation. I've gotten confirmation that, yeah, that the equipment manager fills it out for a certain team and just stir the pot a little bit. Uh, This is the job you guys should be doing while you're in Kansas City. Not covering any of the games. Exactly. Just trying to turn up as much. Who actually votes on this stuff? Some of us have really specific uh, jobs while we're there. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair. To be fair. Yeah. Any chance I get. Uh, Okay. Uh, otherwise, I don't have any real big qualms. I'm sure that you can listen to all the podcasts here in the 1012 network, especially the team specific ones, and they can point out to you their frustrations with why so and so got second team as opposed to first team, and so and so didn't get anything at all. Um, I am an Oklahoma State fan, I'll be honest. I'm just glad this season is over, and I wish Isaac likely had had a better career at Oklahoma State, and that's not a shot at him. I just mean like the sh- nonsense hadn't occurred so much. Oh, I shoot it, screwed up. It was a really nice career for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly like I'm I'm looking forward to the tournament. I love this time of year. 
conference conference like champ week is so underrated we always talk about march madness okay i just watched longwood win the big south tournament and they are going to march madness for the first time ever now granted it didn't come into d1 until 2003 i don't care there's nothing better during champ week than watching some small school mid-major whatever Find, win their conference tournament and go to their first NCAA March Madness tournament. Like that is the best, 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 best thing of Champ Week. I love it. That and buzzer beaters and empty arenas between um, two teams you've never heard of. I love it. Today, I will say, I will say, I, I will say, I, I am much more interested. I think in seeing what the media votes for Big Twelve Player of the Year and all that stuff, and like all of the teams and all that stuff. So, um. I, I have a, a very sneaking suspicion that it's going to be vastly different from what we've oh, seen yeah. here. Like, it's going to be a lot different. Um, all I was going to say is to Philip's point about Champ Week is we're recording this on Sunday, so I spent all day watching women's basketball. My favorite story so far is Coach Calipari sitting in the stands watching uh, Kentucky with the major upset to win the SEC. Uh, he tweeted after the game that as he was cheering for the buzzer beater, his – white gold rolex flew off and asking for people to let him know if they find it and then they did there the kentucky head coach must have figured out who there's a video of it flying off his wrist and a woman in the background holding it up like trying to figure out where it came from and the head coach of the kentucky women's basketball team who today upset number one overall south carolina to win the sec championship also tracked down coach calipari's lucky watch so that's an early front runner for best story of the week i can't wait for that to be surpassed that's crazy that's incredible uh and yeah what kentucky bravo like <clears throat> i love it i love tickets getting punched I love teams going dancing congrats to lawn i Shouts to Andrew Daddy because he's the one that pointed out the list of like all the teams who haven't actually been before. And so I just started scrolling and I was like, oh, well, looky, looky here. What do we have? There's a couple of other finals that hit uh, Monday. So, folks, just watch them. Like, put them on. It's incredible stuff. It is so much drama. It's not like P5. It's the one knock I have on like P5 stuff of like they're excited to win. But it's not the same as some school who are like, the only shot in hell they have of getting into March Madness every year is by winning their conference tournament. And some of these schools, like, have never been, haven't been in a decade, haven't been in 30 years. Like, it's it's so great when it's like, so-and-so school who hasn't been since 1972 is going back dancing for the first time, and you're like, heck yes, that is awesome. And that may be the only time that head coach ever does it in his 30-year career at that school. But you know what? That, that year will be remembered forever. It doesn't matter if they get cremated by the one seed in the one sixteen matchup. They don't care. They're there. The school is jacked. They're pumped. It is just, it's it's the kinds of things that sometimes I'm like, sometimes I almost wish I like went to one of those schools and was a fan of one of those schools just because that kind of moment is so unique and awesome and different than anything that like a power five school really gets to experience. Like it's not the same. Like, no, 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 no. We're excited. I know you're excited. It's not the same thing. You can lose your conference tournament, still go dancing and make a nice run. These schools only get there, only get there. Have no shot otherwise, unless they win their conference tournament. And doing so is so hard. It's so hard to win your conference tournament. We see upsets all the time. Um, for all those schools, for Longwood, for uh, who won the first one? Um, Murray State. For Murray State, for everybody else who's playing on Monday night, 
folks, watch those games. They're incredible. The energy, the excitement, especially when you get a close one with a buzzer beater, you're just like, oh, this is so cool. It's awesome. Champ Week is massively, massively underrated. Uh, You know who I'm a little bit disappointed in right now, though? Andy? I'm a little disappointed in you, Kansas fans. (laughs) Not me. I did my part. Okay. Okay. I I had really high expectations for Kansas. When Homefield Apparel announced that they would be launching the Kansas land this week, because they they track each big new Saturday how the schools perform between the time of the launch, big noon or 11 a.m. God's time, and midnight. And they track who does the best. Florida's launch is still the best one. Georgia came in second. Not too big a shock. Cincinnati was the first one of this season three of basketball. They sit in fifth place. Cincinnati does. West Virginia. Is in ninth. Kansas, you gave it a good run. You are now what, 15? Top 15 all time now? They said top 15, but they Took didn't say when it was. Or which which one exactly, and I didn't count. I was too disappointed. Well, let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. You're 13. Because you beat Bama before the buzzer uh, and lost to North Carolina. Still behind UNC. So behind UNC, A&M, Tennessee, West Virginia, West Virginia, NC State, LSU, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Kansas. I had higher expectations from you because this line is freaking amazing. This Kansas line they launched is so, so good. And Kansas, there's tons of Kansas fans. Y'all love this school. I'm just, Andy, I'm a little bit, a little bit disappointed. I thought Kansas, I didn't think they'd beat Florida. I thought they'd perform a little bit better. Look, I, I will say, Kansas fans, unfortunately, are notoriously stingy when it comes to buying things online. I thought this home field was going to make that, like, like break that streak. Because this was amazing stuff you said. And I've been pushing it for so long, and I know so many people that were. I'm disappointed. But you know what? At least my consolation prize is the fact that I have a fantastic line of home field apparel shirts to wear now. So, um, you know, I will take that consolation prize and run with it. <laughs> the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel. I got we got our items from Homefield. Shouts to Homefield for sending us some stuff. I got the uh, the Wave the Wheat T-shirt, the red one. I love it. Um, I'll be wearing that one. I will not be able to wear my Rock Chalk Jayhawk uh, sweatshirt with the angry Jayhawk on it because within five minutes of opening the package, my pregnant wife wife confiscated that, and um, I'm not <laughs> going to fight her for the sweatshirt oh. that would just be me you got you got five minutes of thinking that you were going to get to have it i got all of 10 seconds before my wife took my sweatshirt and said nope this is mine now she didn't she's like well you don't wear a sweatshirt no what's really bad is just, i was like i'm gonna try it on and then she told me i look bad in sweatshirts and i said i already knew that why would that's why <laughs> that's i better. was gonna give it to you anyways which is why this joke only goes so far Oh, I look terrible. I cannot wear sweatshirts. I don't know. I, if you've ever seen, I know people look at me I'm like when I'm like, oh, I can't wear sweatshirts. They look bad. And they're like, how do you look bad in a sweatshirt? Like, let me just put one on. And, you know, <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> I didn't know somebody could could not look appealing in a sweatshirt, but you pull that off. So no, good for job, me it was particularly painful because it's the only item in the home field line that has what I call, what I commonly refer to as the quote unquote sexy like Jayhawk, which is my favorite Jayhawk logo. Um, that. Yes, and unfortunately now I will not get to wear it anymore because my wife got it and has not taken it off since. My shirt was the Beware of the Fog, which means that I am mm. now forced to start a collection of all of the shirts that refer to a uh, stadium or floor, since I also have Hilton Magic, and so I think my next one is going to be they've got a really great one 
for um, K. Yao from NC State's collection. So I think I'm going to have to go for that one next. I love it. I love it. So if you haven't checked out the Kansas line yet, go do so at homefieldapparel.com. You can still use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, and get 15% off your first order. The competition is over, but the line is still there, and it's incredible, as well as Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas Tech, West Virginia, Iowa State, Baylor, future Big 12 schools like Cincinnati, as we mentioned, BYU, Houston, and UCF. And now begins the wait for the only schools in the Big 12 current, because all the future ones are on there. Thank goodness for that now. Oklahoma's not there. Kansas State is not there. Yes, we did. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's why they actually, got Big 12 um, invites, right? Because I already had a home field line. Yeah, it was easy. <laughs> Before the Big 12 announced who was joining, I, I emailed the home field. was like, hey, can I write an article um, that says uh, picking uh, future Big 12 schools based only on their home field apparel lines? And they were like, yes. And then they announced the schools like two days later before I had time to finish it. Uh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I was quite proud of myself for coming up with that one, and I will never see the light of day. <clears throat> TCU, look, TCU's coming. We know they are. <laughs> Homefield tweets out like, who do you think the last school's going to be? And you see some tw- Twitter people like, come on, it's going to be TCU. And it's like, this is a basketball one. No, it's not going to be TCU. Nice try. Look, look, I-, I was talking with Melissa over on my podcast. Like, TCU makes perfect sense for the baseball season, right? They are a huge baseball school. Yes. They make perfect yes, sense it does. to come out in May. Right, like baseball, line, all kinds of great stuff there. So have hope, Frog fans, that you still have the opportunity of getting it this year. If it's not baseball, I would be shocked if they're not part of the football one this fall. Like if it's right. not during baseball season. Well, when uh, you've already film, confirmed it, like you're going to do it sooner rather than later. They're not going to wait yeah. another year. Like it's coming yeah. soon. It wouldn't shock me if they do it like April, May. Um it wouldn't shock me at all. All right. Network 12, NETWRK12, Homefield Apparel, 50% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel ever. There's only one place to get the best daily audio coverage of the Kansas Jayhawks, and that's here on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Join me, your host, Andy Mitz, every weekday as we go through all the biggest stories affecting your favorite college teams, whether that's football, basketball, tennis, soccer, baseball, softball, volleyball, or any other team that the Kansas Jayhawks put forward. If there's a story to cover, we grab a guest from across the sports landscape and bring that story to you. Find it now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. March Madness is almost here, which means it's time to turn your podcasting ears to Midwest Madness to make sure that you know what's going on with all the Big 12 teams heading into the tournament. I know that you want to know where to put them once they're seated. I know you want to know for sure who they're going to be. And I got you. Don't worry. Just be sure you're listening to Midwest Madness. We'll be getting into bracketology. We're going to be getting into seating. We're going to get into updates on every single game that happens during the tournament, and you're not going to want to miss it. So be sure to listen to Midwest Madness wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, brackets. Let's do this. And I mean, there's lots of things I could talk about, but I don't want to. Oh, quick. Texas baseball is incredible. We'll talk about it more on Thursday. Um, Okay. Women's bracket first. We talked a lot of the men's talk. Women's bracket first. Baylor winning the regular season Big 12 again. 
Shout out to Nikki Khan for the uh, thanks for the new necklace tweet she put out as she's wearing the uh, the hoop around her neck. I thought that was um, quite the flex. It kind of was. Uh, Baylor, the one seed, they will await the winner of uh, eight nine matchup: Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, uh, Iowa State, the two, who on Friday will await the winner of West Virginia TCU, uh, Oklahoma, the four versus Kansas, the five, and Texas, the three versus Kansas State, the six. That is how this bracket is set up. Um, I mean, I look. We just saw Kentucky beat South Carolina, right? So anything can happen. Anything can happen. The Big 12 has been so competitive this year. We said if ever there was a year for somebody not named Baylor to win the regular season, it was this year, but they still won it anyways. Big 12 tournament's a little bit of a different animal up there in Kansas City. So I'm going to ask this. Um, I give you Baylor versus the field. What are you taking? I'm probably taking the field. I realize that Baylor's gotten a lot better over the course of the season, and they've been playing some really good basketball. But we do have to remember that, you know, this Kansas team took it to Baylor down in Waco and had an opportunity late in the serial, late in that game, to potentially go ahead and upset them. Um, I'm not saying that it will happen, but I can think of at least three teams in this field that, in a one-and-done tournament type situation, have an opportunity to do it. I, I probably, like, if I was putting my mortgage on it, I probably would go Baylor just because it's really hard to not pick the favorite. But, you know, if this is a hypothetical, like, I don't know. I just, I have a feeling something weird is going to happen. This is, as we all know, the most competitive Big 12 in a really, really long time. Um, I fully expect Baylor to make it to the, to the, you know, through their first game with no problem at all. But, you know, the quarterfinals is going to have a bunch of teams that could potentially give people problems. So I would not be shocked to see anybody come out of this. Yeah, I stay away from like definitive picks like that, but anything could happen. I'll I'll put it that way. I'm I'm very intrigued to see what happens. And like you said, Andy, you know, you've got a rematch of Oklahoma, Kansas. Both of those teams are teams that played Baylor really close this year or beat them. So It'll be it'll be really interesting, and and the Big Twelve tournament's really a different beast. You've got, in theory, the best officiating that you'll have pretty much all season, because all the rest of the women's tournaments are pretty much over. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Whatever happens, like, obviously, I hope Iowa State does really well. I hope that we're there the whole time. I hope that we're, you know, lifting the banner there at the end. But I, I'm i just looking forward to, like, a great environment, which is one of the best ways for weird stuff to happen, is to have, like, fans there and, and people getting excited and the nerves and the emotions. So, yeah, I, I'm I just pulling for, you know, the potential of you and I both being on press row for the championship game on Sunday. So, like, that would be absolutely phenomenal. That is that is possible. I'd love that. That is possible. You guys are on opposite sides. Hey, that would be impressive. Um, okay, if not Baylor, I know I said the field, but I, I'm, I'm curious from you guys. Like, look, I don't want to defend advantages. Like, this team is going to win. I'm just like, who do you feel coming into this right now? Is playing basketball at a level where you feel like they have an, a legitimate shot to make a run here? That's 
part of where the struggle is, is early in the season, you had K-State dominating. You had Oklahoma dominating. Again, bear in mind, like, I don't talk about Iowa State in these contexts. So I'm not slighting Iowa State. This is just not, I, I don't, I don't get into that. So we'll talk the other nine. But lately, they just have hit rough patches. And so you've got K-State, who was in the conversation for winning the Big 12, slipping down to six. You have Oklahoma, who was in the conversation for winning the Big 12, who's now down to fourth. And so, or fifth? Fourth. 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 And, yeah, I get... I kept switching them because it's the same game so it's it's interesting because they have the potential to return to that and maybe Aoka Lee is gonna get this bit of rest and come out and dominate and maybe K-State takes down Texas in the first round you know but it's really hard to gauge because there just hasn't been that team who's consistently dominated outside of Baylor's incredible stretch to end the season. You know, after that 0-2 start, after that, they, they dropped a couple, but they looked really convincing mostly besides that. So I don't know. It's it's really hard to gauge, but there's so many that have shown the potential that could return to that form at any time. So, I mean, there's over half the field that you could easily see making the championship. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny because based off of what we've seen in the Big 12 this year, the two teams that probably have the best opportunity or match up the best against Baylor to give them an opportunity to do that are the two teams that are playing right before them in the first game for them in Oklahoma and Kansas. Those are the only two teams that have actually kept it close against Baylor uh, basically the entire year. Um, you know, Kansas did it once at the beginning of the conference schedule and once at the end of the conference schedule. Oklahoma did it twice, well, you know, once at the beginning and one the, once in the middle, beating Bay Baylor twice. So, like, if I'm looking at teams that have the, the, the quote-unquote formula to be able to upset Baylor, like, I think Baylor doesn't match up as well against an Oklahoma and Kansas. The question, of course, being in this type of environment, can those teams get over the hump and actually get the victory? That's a That's a big question mark. But – you look at teams like Texas, you look at teams like Iowa State, for whatever reason, they do not match up well against Baylor. They've had some of their worst games this entire season when they've been playing against Baylor. So it's one of those things where I think if Baylor gets to the championship game, I don't know who on the other side of that bracket can give them a a serious challenge to to the point where I would be comfortable thinking that they would get upset in that game. Not saying that I don't think Iowa State can do it, but for whatever reason... Iowa State, you know, with with how well they normally shoot the three, with how well they normally play, they just have looked awful, honestly, against Baylor in both of the games. I don't know what it is exactly. It just seems like for whatever reason, Baylor brings out the worst in them. Um, It'd be great for them to kind of get to that game and then get over the hump and actually show that it's not something that's going to, you know, continue. But it is it is one of those things where I just don't know how you can look at what happened this season and expect it at any point. So. If Baylor's going to get upset, I, I think it's most likely that it happens in that semifinal against either Kansas or Oklahoma, whoever wins that game. I think it's an excellent point. <clears throat> excellent point. All right. Uh, men's bracket. We have Kansas gets the one seed because they beat Texas Tech and Baylor couldn't. 
they will wait uh, the winner of the 8-9 game. Because remember, Oklahoma State cannot play on this because the Big 12 has no balls. Um, Kansas State, West Virginia. Hey, the NCAA said they couldn't play on the NCAA tournament. And then the Big 12 said, okay, we'll do this game. Uh, they'll wait the Kansas State-West Virginia winner. Uh, Two-seed Baylor gets seven-seed Oklahoma. Three-seed Texas Tech gets six-seed Iowa State. And four-seed Texas gets five-seed TCU. So looking at this, and let's pull up a few points about the Big 12 tournament. <clears throat> From 2006 to 2019, no current Big 12 team not named Iowa State or Kansas won the tournament. Texas was the first team to do so last year, but they were only, only able to do so after COVID gave them an auto pass out of the semis to the final, and then they got to play a Baylor squ- or an Oklahoma State squad who was exhausted from a late game against Baylor the day before, and they still only pulled out a five-point win. Uh, it was also Texas's first time winning the Big 12 tournament despite hitting the conference championship game <clears throat> six previous times. Am I salty? Yeah. You still yeah, fired your head coach after that. So even you didn't think it was worth anything because you knew you got a free pass. Um... Looking at this, Baylor's gotten there, Texas has gotten there, Kansas State's got to the championship game, West Virginia did it three years in a row and couldn't pull it off. We see examples of one versus two, but most of the time, we don't. I mean, let me read you the seed numbers from the past few winners. 2021 going backwards, 3-5-1-4-1-2-4-1-2-1-1. Kansas are all those ones, by the way. 3-2-1-2. You get some ones versus twos, you also get a lot of five versus three, three versus five, one, four versus two, like four versus seven. We see in the Big 12 tournament, it's it's regularly, it's not very chalky. It just it just doesn't go chalk in the Big 12 tournament very often. And I think that's pretty much the case for a lot of conference tournaments. But in the Big 12, it typically is. Look, the Big 12 has been the best conference, period. All the metrics say as such, Okay. Now all these teams are coming into Kansas City, and I know that this is pretty much what they call, you know, Hilton South for Iowa State, and Kansas is always there and always does a great job. I'm having a hard time. This is always the hardest thing in the world for us to pick is who's going to win the Big 12 tournament because it literally, I mean, think about last year. It was OSU in Texas. We're all so sure it's going to be Baylor because Baylor undefeated. Not undefeated, but they won loss. I, I really have a hard time sitting here saying, I feel good about these two teams. Kansas playing well, struggled down the stretch here at the end of the regular season, so they couldn't lock up the, the, the regular season championship themselves. Baylor's still banged up, but they're playing fairly well. Uh, TCU got pretty hot, and then I think they just ran out of steam. Because I mean, Look, Kansas, TCU almost beat Kansas and Lawrence, all right? And then I can forgive them for the loss at West Virginia because, again, we said seven games in 15 days. Eventually, your legs stop working properly. Uh Iowa State typically does pretty well in this tournament, unless they're just, you know, last year, but that was last year. Texas Tech's playing pretty well. I just, I look at this and I go, who who are we picking? Yeah, I mean, this is also usually one of the harder tournaments to pick anyway, because there's a big variety of motivations coming into the tournament, right? Like, everybody wants to win if you're going to play. Like, you might as well win the game. I, I think Bill Self has a quote. It's like, we're going to play in the game. We might as well win the damn thing. Like, like that's usually the way that you think about it, but what what a mentality. But he's also said like he's actually said in a press conference before. It's like it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we lost in the quarterfinals, so we can get some extra rest for our guys going in, into the NCAA tournament. So it's like 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 you know prior to the loss down in Fort Worth, the last time that Kansas had actually lost to TCU was 
in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament in a year where Kansas didn't need it to wrap up a one seed and definitely could have used the rest. So, like, it's one of those things where the top teams typically don't necessarily have anything to play for unless they're in a situation where they haven't won this tournament before and they really, really want it. Like, most of the time, it's not a requirement that they play well in this tournament to get to where they want to be seed-wise for the NCAA tournament. So, um, this year, I mean, there's so many beat up teams too, that you add on that extra layer of, Hey, how many of these teams are going to be looking for rest? Like there was rumors flying around that Kansas might rest David McCormick the entire tournament because he's been dealing with a foot issue all year long. And like, you can tell it's been bugging him and giving him some rest going into next week is probably not a bad idea. But then again, like, again, you, you want to win that tournament if you can. So like, I don't really know what to expect from KU. I don't know what to expect from a lot of these teams that are dealing with injury issues that may want to try to sneak in some rest here in a tournament. Like, obviously, you know, teams like like Oklahoma, they're they're fighting for their NCAA lives. Um, you know, Kansas State has to go on a big run here to have an opportunity. Uh, but it is one of those things, like, if you're Texas TCU, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Kansas Baylor, you don't need to really win any games here, I don't think. Most likely. Like, Iowa State would probably be good to win one, <laughs> just to make sure that, like everybody is yeah, kind of happy going into the end of the year, but it's hard for me to imagine, even if Iowa State lost to a Texas Tech team, that they wouldn't make the tournament. They just might find themselves in in the first four or something like that. Like, like it, it is one of those things though, where you have to wonder what the mo- what how big of a deal it's going to be for a lot of the top seeds here to actually make sure that they win one of these games. So you could see a lot of upsets because there's just not that that motivation to make sure that you go and lay everything out of the line to win. Do you? Hold on, Jimmy. I'm going to cut in. Um, I like this angle. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you what I think motivations are for each team and if they care. <clears throat> and you tell me if I'm right or wrong or add on whatever you want. Okay. <clears throat> so Kansas is the one seed. I think Kansas has something to play for. I think Kansas is still possibly in line for a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I don't think they're a lock for that yet at all because i think there's like seven teams let's use break it bracket matrix or break bracket break it, break it, break it, uh bracket matrix as our reference point here for what uh where things are seated baylor they have is the number one overall like they're a they're a consistent number one i don't know if they're gonna be number one overall whatever they're gonna be a one seed out of 123 bra- bracketology whatever's um they are the number one overall everybody has them as a one seed kansas it's basically the top two seed. I think Kansas has something to play for. They're going to be a one or they're going to be a two. I don't think they're falling out of a two line, but if they do care about getting a one seed this year, they're probably going to have to win the tournament. They're going to need the Big 12 tournament victory to help even give them a shot at that. Texas Tech has motivation because if you're Texas Tech, you want to be a three seed. And you don't just want to be a three seed. You want to be as high a three seed as you can so that you can try and get to play in the South because Texas Tech, Clear Moel in the South could play in Fort Worth for the first two rounds and San Antonio for the for the next two. And if you're Texas Tech, you're going, gimme, 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 gimme. We don't want to follow the four. We'd rather be the three. So I think Texas Tech has something they're absolutely playing for. Texas, I'm, I'm sure they do. Uh, yeah. Iowa State's in. They're, I think they're a lock for the tournament. I think TCU is a lock for the tournament. And I'm not, and and winning the Big Twelve tournament at this point is just icing on the cake. They're not gonna. It's not gonna affect seeding to some level that's gonna like greatly benefit them in, in the NCAA tournament. Kansas State has to win the whole thing 
So I don't think it's like they need to win a few games. Kansas State has to win the whole thing if they're going to go. Oklahoma is the only one where I say they have to get a cup. Like they may have to win the whole thing. We're looking at bracket matrix. They're in ten out of one hundred and twenty-eight. Like they're they're not in a good spot. They may have to win the whole thing as well. But that's a team where look at and go. If they could go on at least at least get to the championship game, they might be able to sneak in as one of those eleven C play-ins. Right. Like if they can beat Baylor in the first one. Right, and then beat Texas Tech in the second game. That gives them two big wins that theoretically could push them in, even if it's in like a you know first four game or something like that. Like I, I, I think I wouldn't be comfortable with it, but I do think that you know beating Baylor, beating Texas Tech probably gets them into the first four, if if not better. Um, but it's definitely one of those things. Uh, you know, I actually don't necessarily know how important it is for Kansas to get a one this year. Like, yeah, yeah, you you, you want to be a one. But just looking at the other teams that are potentially going to be ones, if Kansas ends up getting that fourth number one and gets shifted out east, the potential matchups that they would face out there could be a whole lot worse than being like the two in the Midwest or the two in some of these other places. So I don't like, yes, you want to be the one if you can get it just to be able to say that you're the one. But matchup-wise, you know, they might actually be better off. The other thing, too, if, if Baylor is going to be a one seed, I have to think that they're going to get the South, not Texas Tech. Um, unless for unless they're the overall number one, and for some reason Baylor doesn't want to be in the South. But I have a hard time imagining Baylor would not want to be there if they had the opportunity to be there. So Texas Tech would automatically get shifted out to a different region. Because remember, the, the bracketing principle that if you're a one, two, three, or four – you know, the top four teams from an individual conference have to be in different regions if they're all in the top four seats. So, you know, you think Kansas and Baylor are both ahead of Texas Tech. They're going to take the first, the you know, the top two, you know, regions for the Big 12. Texas Tech is going to have to take whatever those leftovers are at that point. I mean, Texas is probably going to get a quote-unquote protected seat as well, but they're going to be the, the fourth team that's going to get kind of shunted out to wherever they happen to get put. So... I don't know that Texas Tech, by getting a three seed, can get themselves to the South. It's really more about Baylor has to be maybe that last number one that gets shifted out to West or, you know, somewhere else because that's not where they they end up naturally being as part of, of them being a one. So, yeah, I, I just I, – I don't know that it's as cut and dry as Texas Tech, you know, like I think it's – for Texas Tech, it's more about where other people get put than where – than how well that they perform this weekend. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I have no idea who to pick. I don't have a clue. Yeah. Um, this does feel like one of those years where There's we're not very little like to gauge it on. It'd be, I mean, you you can pick any number of teams and have really great justification, but the fact is, it's what we've seen in conference literally all year. Is yeah, that you is... can be really confident in one, and then they're gonna go and lose their first round game that you think they should have absolutely no chance of losing. Like there's, you can have your own personal opinions and maybe you'd be right, but there's not like a consensus pick out there to my knowledge. Yeah. This, this feels to me like it's either going to be a Kansas Baylor rematch or it's going to be something like TCU, Iowa state two teams that just get hot and it could go super chalk. Right. Or it could go completely. Like, or it's going to be completely off the wall. Like a TCU, Iowa state, you know, Iowa state fans are going to, flood Kansas City like they always do and 
Iowa State's going to ride that momentum to a, a Big 12 championship in the tournament, you know, or we're just going to have a bunch of chalk. I mean, yeah, or something I in mean, between. As but. long as Iowa State can <laughs> score more than 36 points, they should be able to have a shot to, to win a few games. Oh, look at those daggers. Hey, it's look been at those fun, daggers. Uh... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't care. Uh, yeah, we think it's going to be wild, and then it's just one, two. That wouldn't shock me. At this point, at this point, the only thing that would shock me is if like Kansas State or West Virginia get there. Sorry, I, West Virginia gave up on the season a long time ago. Can we talk about the fact that the Big Twelve is only going to get six teams in unless somebody like wins this or somehow Oklahoma sneaks in? The Big Twelve, as good as it is, is going to only have six teams in. You want to know what's really wild? I'm looking at the net rankings. Uh, did you know Oklahoma is only two spots behind Iowa State in the net? Iowa State is like a lock, and OU is like way. It's not even on like next four out for Lenardi. Oh, guess what? In Ken Palm, OU is two spots ahead of Iowa State, and oh, yeah. and it's what it's what makes some of this stuff insane. OU's tr- problem is you're three and eleven in quad one. That's not good. Uh, your road record and and Andrew Daddy's been talking about this, and it's a very very good point. Andrew Daddy's the oh no, I forgot the new name of the podcast. Lions um, Edge. Thank you. Not what it used to be. Um, we forget about road record and that it actually does matter, and you will get more credit for a good road record versus a bad one. OU is three and eight on the road, so the three and eight in the road, three and one in quad one, or three and eleven in quad one. We it's it's that That's and why also bad spot. It's it's not only road record, but it's also non conference record, right? Because the committee understands that a lot of times you don't have a say over what happens in your conference in terms of what your schedule. So if you play a phenomenal out-of-conference schedule and you play really well in it, you're going to get extra credit like Iowa State is getting right now. For- no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Back up on that. I, I, I was... Oh, I'm so glad somebody brought this up. Um, we dogged Texas and Texas Tech's non-conference schedule because they were terrible, right? <clears throat> Ken Palm. Uh, Texas's non-conference schedule is currently ranked 340th. 304th. Let me remind you, there are 358 teams no, no, so, right, right. so that's real bad. I'm not saying it's Hold a requirement on. to have it, but I'm saying if you do have you're a rewarded. good schedule. You're rewarded. Yes. Yes. Um, and I just want to make this point. Texas Tech. Oh, where did theirs go? It's, what did I say? Texas is 340th. I think Texas is 344th. Iowa State 330th. Wait, really? Yep. It looked good oh, when they got okay, into it, that's right? Why. Yep. But Oregon like, State, it's Iowa is right. the teams w- like that. Memphis is gonna uh, 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 pull 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 together a little bit. They they're nineteen and nine. Uh, Iowa's twenty two and eight. Yeah. So you know they have a couple of nice wins on there. Is that factoring Iowa. in the fact that they just lost to my husband's periods? Oh, oh no. Uh, Oklahoma's was two hundred seventh. Now it's not like awesome, but I mean it's. Butter. So, 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 so I, I guess maybe I need to restate that as you need to have big wins in your non-conference against good teams that are not at home solely. Because if you look, I mean, Iowa State has neutral wins over Xavier and Memphis. And though that was at a time, you know, during holiday tournaments and stuff where there was a lot of eyeballs on that. It was a big story. A lot of people took a look and saw what they, you know, what they had there. Because, I mean, that was over the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, you know, it's like that was like a high visibility. A lot of people saw that. 
that kind of set the tone in terms of how people thought about this Iowa State team and how how surprising they were. Then they follow that up, you know, not too much, like a week later with a win on the road against Creighton and then a huge win at home against Iowa. And and not just a win, like an actual, an absolute demolition of Iowa, right? The team that is now number 14 in Ken Palm. Um, mm-hmm. So like they have big wins in their non-conference schedule, which they get a ton of credit for. Now, yes, yes. I agree. The rest of the, con- or the, the rest of the non-conference schedule that I'm looking at is, Yikes! I didn't realize it was that bad. You look at some of those, but I mean, I think that was pretty intentional when you're looking. Yeah, at oh yeah, you're for sure. From last year, it was like, okay, oh, we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna get get a couple wins, dang it, and then it ends up kind of hurting you. But at the same time, it's like they were able to build some confidence there at the very least and, and get some wins. And it then also you, didn't help them that they got Missouri in the Big Twelve SEC challenge. Right. Like, hey, here's a shot for oh, you get Mizzou. Mm. All the more reason that no one in the Big 12 should ever play Mizzou again. Anyway. Look, <laughs> I would say it's a lock because they have a they have they're nine and seven in quad one. Like you're nine and seven in quad one, four and six on the road is perfectly acceptable. Like Yeah. Like it's an Iowa State team that could play really well and make a nice run or lose the first round. Which I mean, pretty much just describes their entire season. Like they could be awesome, or score thirty six at home, or forty four. Sorry, I made already made the OSU game joke. I make the TCU game joke. Forty four at home instead. So they won't be at home. So they'll be fine. Jamie's ready to go. I am too. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Make sure uh, follow us on Twitter for more uh, wonderful singers that I've been throwing out. I'm out. I'm, I have nothing left. I'm ready for some pain meds to kick in. Uh, follow us on Twitter at 1012network, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. On a Instagram at 1012pod, 1012network.com, T-E-N, one, two, network, uh, is where you can find every show in the network that includes Jamie's show, Cyclone Family Pod, also known as Cyclone Fam Pod, not Vam Pod, very different thing, on Twitter. <laughs> Jamie Pinkerton, head coach of the Iowa State Cyclone Softball Squad, was her last interview. It was fantastic. He is always a fantastic interview. Go give that a shot. Uh, and he's got a Kansas. It's like uh, rock. Ch- I'm kidding. Rock Chalk Pod is Andy's Kansas show that's in the network as well. Go check it out. Blue Wings Rising. Wings, plural, right? Not wings. Yes, plural. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> Blue Wings Rising. It's one wing bird. Just like a one wing bird. Um, Bro, we got to get Philip off. Yes. Okay. Philip's trying to look through a pen at us. We're done. We're done. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you (laughs) next time. Podcast Network.